0: This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Nexus Pro. Nexus Pro is an annual or monthly subscription where members get exclusive writing, podcasts, and invites to members-only Zoom gatherings. You can find info on how to join and support the podcast at nexuslabs.online. Without further ado, please enjoy this episode of the Nexus Podcast. Episode 53 is a conversation with Jim Whalen, Senior Vice President and CIO and CTO of Boston Properties. We talked about Boston Properties' portfolio of buildings, their different technology and digitization initiatives, and Jim took us through the unique challenges inherent to the business of being a multi-tenant landlord. Then we took a bit of a deep dive into Boston Properties' journey with data, energy efficiency, and IAQ. Without further ado, please enjoy Nexus Podcast episode 53. Hello, Jim. Welcome to the Nexus Podcast. Can you introduce yourself? Sure, James. Thank you
1: for having me today. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm Jim Whalen. I'm a senior vice president, CIO, CIO and CTO of Boston Properties. So,
0: cool. Yeah, I'm super excited to unpack everything with you today. Um, can you talk about your personal and career background? How'd you get here?
1: Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. So I, I, I think by the math, I'm in my 24th year at Boston Properties in this role. So it's been an incredible journey. But you know, originally, James, when I came out of school, um, I had a New York City urban fellowship. I'm, I'm born and raised in New York, multi-generation in New York City, and um, and I actually worked in public housing. So I worked in the mid 1980s in in just this transformative period of time when the city was investing at the time, $4 billion in taking all the real estate it had taken in REM and tax for disclosure and turning it back into, you know, residential housing. Um, And, you know, that those numbers would probably be eight and $9 billion in today's dollars, you know, so I was thrown in with this team that brought went into housing preservation development and transformed that platform to deliver on that program. And, uh, you know, Put in networks across the five boroughs, uh, systems, and metrics, and data. You know, so I I'll ha- I have a whole data theme as part of my story. But it started back back in this really transformative early career. That was an amazing opportunity. Um, I, I had a five-year contract with my wife. She's from Boston, uh, so we we brought the kids north, and I actually went and worked in uh, international relief and development work for five years. I traveled the globe to the poorest places of the planet. You know, ran IT in a hundred offices in twenty-eight countries and 500,000 relationships we managed uh, a fascinating uh, five years of my life um, I was on the road 30 40 percent of my time all over the globe and um, I, I just again and, and during that period of time I was Kaizen so Kaizen you know TQM total quality management today okay. it would be six, six Sigma but back then it was being you know I was Kaizen and really really uh, that was that was a takeaway for me separate but but again not sustainable with a young family, right? I needed to move. move. So I came back to real estate um, and I I actually responded to an ad in the newspaper uh, for Beacon Properties. So Beacon Properties is this very long, well-established company had been in in Boston for 40 plus years. I think I was there when we celebrated our 50th anniversary. And um, it was a private company that had construction and residential. And we actually took that public as a real estate investment trust Spun the construction company out. It basically seeded Skanska's operations here in Boston. um, And then, you know, spun out the residential company. And we basically then grew the office, you know, blew it out into DC, Atlanta, Chicago, LA as a real estate investment trust. But got bought by equity office you know the behemoth at the time that was you know kind of you know again in this acquisition so we so i actually decommissioned that platform i was like the last man standing closing up shop and i didn't know whether i could stay in real estate in boston there wasn't a lot of you know franchises here but boston properties had been around for you know 27 years and went public in late in midnight 1997 uh, just timing wise and i was recruited and Came over here, and it's just been this incredible journey. um, um, You know, in the the last 24 years, just leading the technology innovation here, Um, and it it just—I get excited. I'm excited every day I come in here. So that's that's kind of my. So I look at it. You know, I I was in public public service. I was in government. I was a nonprofit. I was private, and then really for the last um, 29 years as a public, but 34 years in commercial real estate and. Um, you know, and it's been uh, very much a focus. I look back, you know, very much a focus on local, local. I mean, one of the things, Norman Leventhal was a founder of Beacon Properties and he always, this mantra and the culture there was like, you always walk the property. You always walk the property, right? And that that mantra is kind of, you know, built into how I've kind of focused um, because where our work gets done is at the properties, in the engineering locations. I'm I'm finally starting to travel again in two weeks and I have six, seven property visits and I just plan to, you know, again, that's, that's the pulse of where we, you know, deliver hmm. our service. To deliver, um, or you know, to our customers. So it's been a great journey of several decades and digital transformation along the way. You know, so yeah,
0: I'm a firm believer in, in walk-in properties too. When I was at when I was at NREL, there was this whole like remote energy audit movement, and I think it's still happening. And I always was very skeptical about that. There's so much that you see. When you're walking through a mechanical room. Oh that yeah, you can't well just talking. I
1: mean, just talking with the teams, and you get a pulse on what's going on, and yeah. asking about their capital programs, asking about their operational challenge, asking about their IT. That's that would be my, you know, because people don't raise their hands. Got to raise their, You got me as a captive audience, you know. So, yeah. Right? So,
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just like the reactions you get from questions, mm-hmm. are so telling about how the building's run and what's going on, you know, day to day. So last time you and i talked you talked about staying sane through the pandemic by by cycling you're you're a big cycler too right personally i
1: i am yeah i know i'm i enjoy i was actually out at sunrise this morning at 5 30 up the river and on the charles river and i, I, I that's my happy place and my happy time you know and where i get i actually get to think and you know also think about the solving problems on the bike ride so i i am i don't know if you are but i that's that's my happy place. So, so
0: yeah, I'm a big runner, but I only run so that I can play soccer. Uh, oh, yeah, and yeah. when I play soccer, I don't think I don't think very much about about much besides the game. That's <laughs> what I like about it, because I think way too much every day, all day anyway. So. Uh, cool. So can you talk about what the the Boston properties portfolio is like today? Yeah, sure.
1: Yeah. So, so it's, it's um you know, when I, I look at Boston properties, you know, we are the largest publicly traded developer, owner, manager of class A office. Right. That's a state period, right? That's a period, right? And so we we manage um, in, you know 196 properties, you know, a little over 51 million square feet. Last year's revenue was 2.8 billion dollars in revenue. Um, and again, we operate in five markets. So we started obviously in Boston, <laughs> logically, and uh, have our brand. You know, Mort, Mort Zuckerman and Ed Lindy founded the company in 1970. So we we just celebrated our 50th anniversary right? Pretty, pretty significant. Um, yeah. And then, uh, you know, went to New York, went to DC. After going public, we went into San Francisco in a big way with Embarcadero Center. Um, and then oh. more recently in the last five years at Los, Los Angeles, specifically the Santa Monica market. So, so we, um, you know, we, you know, a couple things about the platform. Um, I talked about the culture, just it's a culture of just, you know, Morton had built this culture of integrity, operational excellence, um, you know, customer service, financial discipline, and being really smart about the real estate, right? So that's just the fabric of how we run our, our platform and, and how we service our customers. Um, and, and the other aspect is it just, you know, they fundamentally believed in the value of development, maintaining your development capabilities and the ups and downs of the markets, right? So, you know, our platform since 2010, you know, will de- has delivered or, or stuff that's actively under construction I, I, over nine billion dollars of, of, of construction. Nine billion dollars of, of construction, right? And I, I think I can quote ten with the, some of the recent, you know, recent uh, projects we just approved. But you know, we built Salesforce Tower, right? We, you know, th- th- those kind of marquee properties we're building. Marriott's new headquarters right now. Fannie Mae's new headquarters, right? Akamai's new headquarters, right? So these these major um, asset, assets in gateway cities, which is our focus you know, it, it's been, um, it's been just a tremendous platform of, and, and it's a capital engine, you know, it's a capital engine, because this is capital intensive work, and just how we, how we manage that. And, 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 you know, it's just been a great, great, great journey to be along with, um, you know, the growth of the company, and, you know, just what we've delivered, right? So. Cool.
0: Yeah, I remember last time I was in San Francisco, the Salesforce tower was going up, I was probably 2017, something like that. Yeah. good second. Yeah. Like Yeah, icon in the city it's
1: yeah now it's defined to redefine really redefines the center of the city and the downtown market so south of market so a very exciting project i mean we could riff on that you know if we wanted to so
0: yeah Uh, i'm thinking we should we should talk about new buildings at some point here um let's start with your role though um can you talk about your role and and your team that supports you yeah
1: yeah. So so I talked about, you know, again, 24 years, the, the, the journey has kind of been, again, I was looking chapters um, and, you know, obviously initially it was getting the, getting the public company stood up, not being prepared to be a co-op public company. And and it's, it's morphed over time. And I would say, especially since 2010, my role has definitely changed. So I have a team, you know, we have Very deep competencies centered on our financial stack of applications logically, right? Again, the integrity of running a public entity, Um, networking and infrastructure. The network facilitates our business fundamentally as a real estate company. Just think, and we'll talk about that, right? And then data capabilities. And I know we'll we'll cover that as well, but we have these in cyber, you know, we have these core capabilities that uh, we build expertise around. Um, and, um, and then what, through our partners, through real partnerships, because we, when we take on a partnership, James, it's a partnership. Like I believe I mean, the model here is to, to make each other, each other better. Right. So mm-hmm. the partnerships we've done in incubating new early companies, you know, like a company like BTS and helping them, you know, whether it be a platform like Angus, you know, th- those companies, um, we again when we go all in we're all in right so so that's that's one thing and then i my 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 role is you know i I obviously oversee the, the i.t Staffing here in the in the mission and what we do, but I've really kind of morphed into as much uh, an executive sponsor of initiatives and innovation around the company. So, you know, we have working groups. I, I, I chair an IAQ working group. I again we'll talk about that. I have an access control technology working group that's been active for three and a half years. You know, we're we're spinning up a new one on on facility data and analytics, you know. So so these to bring across disciplines together to tackle and create a framework for the company to then execute on right around these technologies. So, so I, again, I, I navigate, you know, we talked about five markets, Boston properties, executes very entrepreneurially in each of these markets, it creates a, you know, an operating platform that goes at it, right? Mm -hmm. And then corporate, and again, tech, because of the reliance on technology, um, you know, is is really here to facilitate, grease the skids, coordinate, build consensus as a framework that we can then execute as a company. And that's been... um, that's been the role.
0: How do these working groups work? Where do you pull the people from?
1: Uh, well, so uh, uh, the example on the IAQ one, you know, the, the, uh, we'll, again, we'll talk about this, but, you know, we um, we brought people from the business side and property management who deal with customers on a daily basis, deep engineering, extra engineering experts around the company, sustainability, IT, and, and, and in this case, data. Um, at the table. So you think about just what do you need around the table on the, on the facility data? I've got construction, development, um, sustainability, engineering represented at the table, bringing expertise. And, and, and in this process, building depth and knowledge that you that they, they become you know the knowledge knowledge look you know knowledge it's not about me it's about these these building depth and capacity and reference points in the organization uh, cool. that can kind of move things forward so it's again that's the in, in a decentralized model you know how do you think about you build uh, organizational capacity yeah. around these technologies and so that's that's the kind of yeah, anyway some touch points cool. here, so.
0: Really cool. All right, sorry to interrupt you, the framework.
1: Oh yeah. So, so my framework, the way I think about it, I've had this framework for about three years is I, I had three buckets, right? So I'm responsible for running the enterprise, running the platform. So we have about hundred applications, the integrity of our financials, all the computers, all the phones, all the mobile devices, everything that kind of runs the platform. Um, and, and there's themes there that's been focused on process automation, process automation, data, data, right? And maybe a, a new one is, um, you know, really managing productivity post-COVID. There's, there's opportunities, that's a theme that's really there for this year, that COVID has just been an accelerator of, of a number of behaviors and technologies that are enablers. The second bucket is really around amenities and services and tech that are occupants and guests touch. Hmm. Like okay. I come into a building, I have Wi-Fi, I have carrier service, I go through a turnstile, I might have a mobile engagement, you know, a digital engagement, I might see digital display visuals, I might have common areas, conference rooms, whatever that that mixes at a property. And you think about, I mean, that's been a major driver and uh, where, you know, in, in the last 11 years, because of the, the developments that we've been doing and the repositioning okay. of Bringing in amenities and services and buildings. The themes there have been, you know, definitely driven by new developments. How we reposition our assets for talent, you know, talent for our customers to be able to attract or retain talent. That's okay. what that dynamic is all about. And then really, again, the, the theme this year is around wh- wh- what's been accelerated by COVID? What do we need to look at for post-COVID? Just like, what are the themes that we need? And IQ's in there, and there's a bunch of other things, yeah. right? To kind of think about that touchless. And then the third bucket is really, I look at is as like running the physical plant, Mm, right okay. you know all the things that you don't necessarily see behind the scenes and this is you know you can think about uh, the ot technology uh, versus it I mean, we're drifting from it over to ot right in, mm-hmm. in this framework and you know so the network as an enabler cyber the protection of these assets i mean i we have buildings that have four five six thousand people on them a day you know mm-hmm. how do you how do these systems get protected and then so the theme there that's clearly present we'll talk about is like data analytics, elevated analytics for operational excellence. Like how, you know, where does that, what is that, we're starting a new decade. We started a new decade. We're in 2021. What does that journey look like for uh, this decade? And um, again, I'll, we'll riff a little bit on that, but, but that's, that's the way I think about just three
0: buckets. So, okay. In that first bucket, um, what do you mean by the, the, I'm picturing that as like the business side of things yeah, running and correct. building. Okay.
1: Absolutely. But, you but, call but, it the platform? but some of this some of that business process bleeds into, yeah. you know, what you do for meters and utility, you know, like, I uh, say electrical b- billing, you know, you think about these bridges across the fabric of those three, three kind of buckets I talked about. Yeah. There's connections across oh, the yeah. three. So, uh, but it is the business side. It's running this public company and we have 750 employees and how do, how do we service them? And I've got another 450 contractors on our platform, you know, that operate and service our customers every day. And that's that kind of, you know, enablement on that side. So.
0: I see. Okay. I get it now. But I'm I'm seeing that as a huge advantage of those three kind of buckets, or I guess you could call them silos, sort of feeding up because they're so integrated naturally uh, in reality of getting things done. Any bucket requires integration with the other two. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Again, I'll talk a little bit about our our converged approach and how we look at this from a security perspective. It's, yeah, it's...
0: Yeah. So can we talk, so let's get into kind of the smart buildings aspect of this, right? So you guys are only in North America, right? We Um, are. Only in the
1: U.S. right now. Yeah.
0: Before we hit record, you were talking about how things are different in other countries, you know, past couple of guests from Australia. So like in the U.S., can you talk about the context around the business case for and the drivers for technology?
1: Sure. And I'm going to maybe focus more, yeah, this context of smart building facility, James, that makes a lot of sense. So, you know, I have a presentation deck, I've done a couple of keynotes around just uh, like, what does this coming decade look like? And, you know, one of the first slides I kind of talk about is that, you know, our platform is fundamentally a multi-tenant office provider, right? And um, when you look at our, our customers, we provide space they build, they, they design, build out that space. They bring in all their technologies, they bring in access control, they bring in cameras, they bring in Wi-Fi. they bring in, you know, everything to curate um, that space for their culture, you know, culture and brand, which is really, really important for their talent. Um, and we provide utilities into that space, right? They, they tap water, they tap air, they tap, you know, maybe carrier service uh, to bring into the, into the space, but it's really their space. So you have this boundary at the door in this landlord versus customer um, relationship. And so the notion that like sensors are everywhere in a multi-tenant office building, James, that paradigm is not what exists today. So mm-hmm. if I'm a corporate Owner of space, like a Microsoft campus or Google own that space, or I'm a hospital or I'm a university. I own everything. I control every aspect of what goes into that asset, into that building. And, you know, the, the business drivers are, are, again, much different. I'd love to talk about data lakes, but I, I don't have all that data, you know, inside the tenant space right now, into, totally. inside our customer space. So, and then the other dynamic is, you know, we, in our portfolio, we have a lot of large, large customers. So we service Microsoft and Google and Salesforce. They They're not looking for the landlord to solve that. And they even keep their talent even captive inside their space. They feed them you know, it's like, they're not coming out to amenities, you know, they're basically being really curated and maybe captive is a strong word, but they are, you know, really kind of um, servicing their talent in a different way. So, so again, this landlord customer relationship is, is one that, um, and then I, I'll just kind of comment because the other, you know, again, I've been a couple calls this past week and, and I kind of shake my head sometimes when we talk about like what customers are looking for, right. In this innovation, mm-hmm. And a couple of years ago, I, I, I volunteered to do a keynote or you know sit on a panel on a main stage w- with our facility manager. So it was our customers in the audience at this conference. You know, so it wasn't the landlord side; it was customer. And I was like, oh, I'm so excited! I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna have this great conversation with our customers about tech and and how we can innovate. And it was like you know, there's like no dynamic there. I mean, there's dynamic at the top of the market. There are clear leaders in how, you know, like a Google and, mm-hmm. and Microsoft that are thinking about this, but it, it falls off very quickly. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I always want to kind of be grounded and realistic in terms of expectations. And I, I loved just listening to some of your sessions, you know, you, you had a lot of Australians on, which I love. <laughs> I love Australia, yeah. you know. I love 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 that dynamic because they they seem to be ahead of us sometimes, but understanding like they have performance-based standards in the market and they're dictated by the government, they control or, or provision more services. For their tenants in terms of infrastructure, even ceilings and lighting, than, than we would do in, in a North American context, right? Yeah. So, so I again I I it has been fascinating, just kind of again, I always kind of go to the business drivers and dynamics. That doesn't mean you don't you're not trying to continue to solve this, but it is a dynamic that um that really you need to be grounded in when you think about investments and getting a, a return on investment and also building a partnership that. That paradigm hasn't been in the market with your customers about even sharing data. I mean, that's not a paradigm that's in this market in, in the in the U.S. market, right? So, um, so anyway, so I just more, uh, you know, even access control. Everyone has their own access control system inside this building. I'm sitting in Prudential Tower today, and you know, and we provide a turnstile down to the base building, but they all everyone has their own system, right? So. Anyway, so I don't know if that makes sense, but that's... Yeah, yeah, it does.
0: So how do you guys get around that, right? So we're talking about, in my mind, and the way I teach this in my course is like, that we have these deeply ingrained split incentives. Um, and there needs to be someone that bridges the gap and figures out how to align the incentives, or there needs to be like top-down regulation, right? Like we see in New York City and DC and other mm-hmm. cities. So like, how do you, how do you guys see this like playing out? Maybe this is part of your keynotes that you've been giving...
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, first of all, I'll start with the construct of like just defining smart buildings. James, how do you define it? Right. I'm I'm quoted as saying like, you know, we don't have smart buildings. We have buildings with smart technologies. That term has been around a long time. Uh, And I also, um, I know you referenced me, you know, using a baseball analogy again, we're in the really one or two innings um, of that journey. Um, But um, so, so I think one of the things I'm I'm kind of been toying around, toying around, and I've, I've been doing it with some peers of ours. Is like, is it really about a digital building, right? Is it, is it, is it about digital? Because I, I talked about those three buckets. And, you know, am I smart over here? Am I smart here? Where, where, where am I playing smart, right? Or is it really about digital plays um, and investment and innovation that you're trying to achieve, whether it be in access control, whether it be in the point of Nirvana that you have a self-tuning, self-commissioning building that is completely adapting itself throughout the outside conditions and internal conditions of a building. I mean, that is clearly a, an end game here. That we're all after, but that is only one aspect of what you're talking about in terms of the investments you do, right? So mm-hmm. let's say you started a new building and you said, I want to build the smartest building. Okay. Let's say you want to build the most sustainable building. Let's say I want to build the healthiest building. I mean, what you know, all those have different prisms in how you would think about the technologies and what you would bring into the fabric of a building to achieve that goal. And so defining smartest. Is uh, you know is so 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 that's that's context right so 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 saying that you know I think we've been very focused on customer touch points when I talk about digital I mean Mm -hmm. you have the back of house and the running the plant I've got some you know innovation going on there but let's just focus on you know some touch points and maybe some use cases on the front of the house so um, first off we have been running a converged network for our building since two thousand six okay I we started that journey really early. And uh, the first building was a, a building we built in, build, uh, in Boston here, Atlantic Wharf. Um, and uh, that building runs on a single fiber backbone. All systems converge onto that, that backbone. And what we've been doing is any new developments have a, have a network spec now. So you think about buildings, uh, even our larger buildings have redundant fiber backbones with cross connects. Everything converges onto you know, a fiber backbone. The initial initial journey there was focused on network efficiencies monitoring. In 2012-13, it became cyber, right? Became prevalent, right? Mm-hmm. And so we again a journey of segmentation, controlling remote access, mm-hmm. protecting that converged network, both IT and OT assets, right? And um, and and then moving on to really then that platform. Facilitating integrations as we've kind of innovated, right? So again, I'll, some innovations, right? So I have an access control. We sponsored, we sponsored. Um, we sponsored um, you know, if you were a visitor to one of our buildings that had a turnstile, had pre. You know, we do 1.8 million visitor pre check-ins annually pre COVID. 1.8 million. Wow. In our buildings, right? So how do you solve that to be a better experience on a very broad level, right? So again, we innovated on the ability to have a QR code that delivered to you two hours before you come. Hmm. And I just walked through the turnstile. So again, as the, if the tenant is a is, customer is allowing, you know, they're taking, um, you know, ownership of that, literally that, you know, that's, that's a process now in, in all, our, all our buildings are lit up with turnstiles right so that's that's solving for a touch point that is really really important. another one would be an example where we've done you know I talked about every customer having its own access control system and our base buildings access control system and this these are maintained manually right now so we innovated on a web service that literally synchronizes a base building system so let's say a large tenant, issues their badge to their employees, right? And we want that card to work at our base building. I yeah. mean, we synchronize hundreds of thousands of records with large tenants. Wow. Okay. You know, so that, I mean, you think about that as an enabler, because again, they want every single one of their employees, if they're coming to this city, being able to access that space. Yeah. I mean, it's... It's a really powerful. And the minute that person is separated from the company, literally minutes later, that badge is deactivated at the, at the entrance of the building. I mean, wow. that that's the kind of technology that... So you, you kind of find um, opportunities around... Um, so we're, we're, out on, we're out, James, on the street right now with an RFI on work, workplace experience, occupant guest engagement, mm-hmm. right? We've looked at this three times over the last four years, have been cautious. Yeah. Um, but we're, we recognize we need to figure it out. You know, we have to need to figure out this, right? So mm-hmm. we, we, have, um, we had four responses come in on uh, Friday. I have eight hours of sessions at Structured uh, re- you know, with an evaluation team in the next five days. Um, wow. and, um, and we picked two properties to, to, to deploy this out initially and figure it out for Boston Properties. And again, the, the, pro- you know, the other dynamic is every property is different. Right? Every property is different in how it's organized. And we picked one in a downtown urban environment that has this dynamic, and it has a, has a, has a complete set of activity around the property that needs to be kind of figured out. And then we have an eight and 19 building corporate campus on Route One in Princeton, New Jersey, okay. that is about community. It's about suburban mm-hmm. community. And it has a completely different set of, of kind of requirements and yeah. drivers. And through that, we're, we're trying to figure this out. So, you know, I look at um, these customer touch points um, and I think you're sitting in your home, but I left my home this morning. I went through public space. I engaged with some public space services. I come into owner controlled space. Every building is different from the services they, per- and then I came into my workplace. My employer yeah. controls this workplace mm-hmm. and what, what an owner has control over and can deliver in that journey in terms of touch points is different by property so that's the thing where you know i'm coming back to this owner you know landlord tenant boundary and just how we navigate this for value for effectiveness for roi and that's kind of what we're you know we're trying to figure out with this kind of again digital strategy but i'm I'm kind of pointing out a couple examples here right so
0: yeah that's fascinating. I think I think after you have a chance to reflect on this. So you said it's round three of tenant engagement. Yeah. You should come back and, and tell us what you learned. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll, we'll do a deep yeah. dive on that yeah. topic. Yeah. Okay. But you know,
1: integrations are tough, James. Integrations are tough. Yeah. Engagement with customers are tough. It's not an easy, and luckily we have some large ones that have sophistication and that doesn't say that we shouldn't be doing it. I'm just saying that it's, it's work and you have to be thoughtful and the engagement model and needs to be right. So, you know. Absolutely.
0: Hey guys, just another quick note from our sponsor, Nexus Labs, and then we'll get back to the show. This episode is brought to you by Nexus Foundations, our introductory course on the smart buildings industry. If you're new to the industry, this course is for you. If you're an industry vet but want to understand how technology is changing things, this course is also for you. The alumni are raving about the content, which they say pulls it all together, and they also loved getting to meet the other students on the weekly Zoom calls and in the private chat room. You can find out more about the course at courses.nexislabs.online. All right, back to the interview. Cool. Well, th- that was a great overview of networking, cybersecurity, tenant engagement, access control. That- that's only part of what you're focused on, right? So today, I think we're going to dive deeper into uh, a couple of other topics besides those. Maybe we'll save those topics for later. Maybe we'll do a deep dive on-, on one of those later. But the next topic I wanted to ask you about, you mentioned it a few times, which is you have a data story <laughs> you told. Yeah. Me. So I thought we'd hit data, I thought we'd hit energy, and I thought we'd hit IAQ, and then sort of balancing the three of those things as our sort of deep dive today.
1: Sure, sure, James. Yeah, yeah. So I already, I already talked about being Kaizen. Uh, you know, I read a book, uh, to Tom Davenport, I'm going to quote. Uh, Tom has been like a, just a teacher, he's a local expert on data, and he published a book in 2008. Um, that I just kind of latched onto. It became a framework for thinking about it. And we were kind of in a transition period where, you know, back in the early, that decade, we were doing a lot of custom software. Custom software was over. Like it was transitioning to, you know, providers providing solutions in the space. Okay. And the, the demand from the company for more real-time analytics, uh, mostly focused on financial was really kind of key. So I have a little side story. You know, we're, we're trying to figure it out. And I had an inbound cold call. And this person was very persistent. It was from Oak, Oak, Oak Brook, Illinois. And I was, it was a moment of week, weakness at 5.30 at night. I picked up the phone. And I was like, OK, I'm going to give you 15 minutes. I always say, I'll give you 15 minutes, right? Okay. So I, I did a 15-minute call with them, along with current still vice president of applications. And it went to like 45 minutes, right? And the next week, I literally got four people on a plane. And we flew to Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> and we met with them. We met with Inland, you know, because they were a customer of theirs. And we went on a data journey, and we built a business case to really tackle our financials, do really real-time analytic, built the infrastructure framework. And you know, one of the things in the business case I remember is like, this will be a journey that has unexpected results. An impact, right? We don't know where the journey is going to take us, right? So we literally proved out this incredible benefit to the company in building um, this this capability, and we pivoted off custom and built out a data team, right? So I have a director of application data services. I have an enterprise uh, data architect. I have data analysts, right? We that's where that's competitive advantage that we built out in the depth of the company, right? And then we pivoted and uh, focused it on, on the rent roll and space. We have this incredibly rich, dynamic um, way of looking at our space and, and projecting and looking back and it just can do tumble salts. And then we kind of pivoted and applied this to energy, right? Okay. So so the energy story is, I mean, it's a really a case study in my view. And what we've, we've done is if I went back to our first GRASP filing, probably in thirteen fourteen. Um, it was a horror show. I could use stronger words. You know, it was <laughs> just like pulling the data together yeah. um, and not having any confidence in what you were putting in. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, it was, it was just a disaster.
0: And it's like monthly utility bills or what do you Oh uh,
1: Yeah. We're just kind of putting together the data that needed to be put together to put, create a composite for the filing. Right. So mm-hmm. we went on a data journey, a process journey, literally we aligned at the time to enter now hatch data. And we literally standardized all our pulse meters, standardized all our billing and invoices, and the data extraction off that, we built with them uh, a direct feed into Energy Star. So we literally that that we pointed our alignment to Energy Star, right? And and then we brought in uh, Ben Myers, who's our VP of Sustainability. You should have him on a future just two of you would ref. He's, okay. he's really an incredible, dynamic leader in our industry. But then we partnered with Measurable. So literally the, the the it you know we brought it into Energy Star, packaged it in in Measurable. And I think last year when he did the filing, he did it a month early with complete confidence, like complete that could hit the button and you know, it's all rationalized. Right. So what did that provide to us as a company? So we got comfortable like in 2016 of stating sustainability goals as a public company. Hmm. Right. And that was a five-year set of goals. Well, what do we do? We start to measure ourselves, got everyone engaged executive sponsorship around this with the ability to measure. Um, And we achieved those three years early, Okay. but we restated another five years and we're achieving that. So again, putting this infrastructure in place. So last year we were, you know, Energy Star Partner of the Year, you know, again, got an award this year for, you know, sustained excellence. We're just a leader in that space. And if you look at our newly launched website and just the report we came out with, I mean, just again, leading, it's really important to how we are executing um, our platform for our customers. I mean, it, it, and it's a data story. So we just announced on Earth Day this year, we will go to carbon neutral operations by 2025. We created a sustainability committee as part of our board of directors, just again, the fabric of this next, next journey. So I, I do think um, we're in a moment in time, James, like in, we're sitting here in 2021. And I couldn't be more excited about data tools, data capabilities that this industry has access to right now. And that's been enabled by the cloud. It's been enabled at data at scale. It's been enabled by just the innovation that partners like Microsoft have done in making tools approachable. And I know there's been a large group that has been at this for a long time. I know, you know, like Switch, and I mean, there's been a lot of activity, but the opportunity now is very clear As we enter this decade and so we got to energy. So so what do we apply it next? (laughs) Like, where do we go with this, right? Mm -hmm. So then we applied it to access control, right? In 2018, 2019. So we built this amazing, I have like 45 buildings, millions and millions of read records prior to COVID was about density and space use and Mm -hmm. how our customers were, and then operational insights into how we manage our buildings. And that data now has come really important in COVID and how space use and how repopulation will occur. I I literally have a live, I could, we could hop over and look at it right now of what's what's happened in this building right now, right? Mm -hmm. How many people have come into the building? So a real journey, you know, it's been great.
0: So So it's the same sort of process or framework around measuring and improving upon the data that you're collecting. And then you're just applying it to these different and uses, essentially. Or uses. Yeah. I mean, again, we come back for success factors. You want to be aligned to an
1: organizational goal and, and objective and and then then making that investment. But again, I think building this organizational muscle and capability has been a differentiator in how we've mm-hmm. tracked the last 10 years. And uh, again, I'm excited about the coming decade. And in framing the next decade, you know, it, it does kind of start to pivot back to um, this facility data. And all right, we've achieved this with... What we've done in energy, but like what is the next tool set? Yeah. What is the next tool set? Right. Uh, and and we'll talk about IAQ. Like, let's say you add IAQ, just creating another silo. Occupancy is going to be really important in any anything mm-hmm. around energy and IAQ. And occupancy is such a variable that you have to have as part of the equation. Um, if you're going to go on this journey. So anyway, that's uh,
0: yeah. how do you see that space evolving? Because obviously you have some level of occupancy data with the access control systems that you just talked about. How do you see that evolving with all these new occupancy sensor companies?
1: Yeah, yeah. So so, so again, you have two, we talk about the boundary of the door. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I need to know the population coming in the building. But again, I don't know necessarily behind the door of, let's say a tenant has 10, 10, 10 stories of a building. You know, again, how do, how do I yeah. garner that information for potentially optimizing energy use, air, you know, air and comfort, you know, it's it, it, all those come into play. And, and so, so I think that's, that is, that needs to be solved for a landlord perspective. Um, and then again, if there's a model and how we think about data sharing, okay. that paradigm has to be kind of, challenged and evolve, right? Yeah, because uh, if, and I if, I I don't see that happening tomorrow, James. I, it's it's going to be yeah. it, it's, it's
0: going to be a process here, right? So because okay. if if you got data from occupancy data from your tenant, then you could do a better job and vice versa, if they got some sort of information from you, they could do a better job in the systems that they're mm-hmm. controlling. Yeah, that's a tough one. <laughs> yeah. That's a tough
1: but 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 solvable and I, again, I think we're going to be on a journey to solve that. I mean, I, IAQ is definitely um, that, 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 that's here to stay. And we have to move right now. It's really the, the paradigm on IEQ is basically a testing protocol and that needs to move to active monitoring. Yep. You know, so that, that's, that's, that's another journey that we have to figure out as an industry. And we are, we are very active in, in kind of figuring this out because again, these systems, the, the HVA systems were very much built on comfort. On energy efficiency and, and ventilation, but like if you start to amp ventilation or this dynamic around air, well, that's not how this was built. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. and then and then underlying the variable of occupancy, that's the formula. I mean, that's the formula for you know th- those variables have to be um, in play to to really optimize um, optimize a, a, a specific space like a conference room I'm sitting in, or a kitchen, or a gathering place, or you know, so. That's a, that's going to be that's going also be a journey. So
0: yeah, this is the reason I wanted to like dive into this because energy and IAQ are both interconnected, right? Interrelated, dependent on each other, um, but they're also crossing all these boundaries of of these you know tenant versus landlord, meter versus submeter. Like we're crossing so many of the different silo- organizational silos mm-hmm. with those two. Well, let's dive into energy real quick, and then we'll talk about kind of how they all relate, but so energy we talked about, it's like basically setting a baseline, the the traditional energy management process, setting a baseline, how can we improve upon it, doing projects? So how how have you guys like met your goals so early?
1: So it's just been basically, I mean, Ben would argue um, when we measure, we we build for success and it's been through um, our partnership with Hatch, our partnership of just internally dynamic of working measure by measure um, yeah. And in, and then then obviously also James you you know a capital program that is focused on in some cases significant um, in changes in a building's dynamic right mm-hmm. so um, so again the capital program to deal with aging infrastructure um, and optimizing further optimizing that's a natural cycle but if if it brings if you bring it with focus um, that has had results right in the last in the last six seven years right yeah. So um, so so. Yeah. So again, I don't think there's a, you know, I, I mean, I'm not saying anything that's, you know, should be, you know, is, is revealing insightful. It's, it's again, yeah. you know, the process of, of sponsorship, organizational alignment, working towards set of goals, getting aligned and everyone marching in a direction, um, in all the tools that you have available to execute, to achieve a better, you know, in this case, a better carbon footprint. Right. So. Totally.
0: Yeah. And I, I just read, um, this article in the Wall Street Journal yesterday that I was going to put in the newsletter, but it's behind the, their paywall, and I didn't want to do that. So, but anyways, it was basically kind of like looking at this from a, a little bit of like a victim mentality. It's basically like, you know, property owners they have to deal with COVID, and now you're throwing all these regulations, and here comes the Biden administration, and it was kind of like this victim sort of mentality. That, and it was like the the ability to charge more rent for a more energy efficient building that's not proven, and it was kind of just like um taking this like it didn't feel very good it sounds like you guys have a very like a totally different mindset yeah i, I would say
1: i would say i mean I, I you know i i guess maybe it would depend on who you talk to but i i know ben would welcome some of the work that's being done in reg the regs in our market and we're obviously in progressive markets and we need to be responsive and aligned to to what's going on in new york and san francisco and boston and they're all progressive <laughs> locations and what they're doing, even LA, um, you know, but uh, we're in Santa Monica, but you know, there's some really progressive stuff going on. So,
0: totally. So, where does so? When when I think about energy, I think about um, sort of meter level data and analytics, like like you're describing, and then I think about what what usually happens, and what we've talked about a ton on the podcast is that you realize a building needs to be improved upon, and then what you either do is you do like a retrofit or you start to look at the data in the systems that are sort of you know so you might do fault detection diagnostics that that yep. type of thing yep. how do you guys look at that sort of dichotomy of the i call it the hierarchy of needs right so <laughs> We, we first need meter data and then we need interval data and then we need FDD, right? So how do you think about getting into that sort of program? Yep.
1: So obviously uh, the cloud enablement of solution, you take your data off-prem and it's enabled and ampl- amplified and elevated in, in a cloud solution. So that that's a really good point, James, like we got to this place. So again, what is the next set of tools you apply to achieve your next round of improvements, even though, th- though they might be inc- continually incremental, right? Yeah. You, you, you're kind of thinking about this, right? So we piloted Switch, we have piloted prescriptive data, we have uh, piloted solutions from Siemens, we've looked at Schneid, you know, but we haven't necessarily landed on a standard, right? We've, hmm. we've got okay. these pilots trying to get a grounding on their value their return, the ability of the teams to absorb and act on the data that's being generated. There's a lot, there's a lot of dynamic there. So we're still on that journey. The market is incredibly in a hype mode in terms of the number of solution providers in the space, some coming from a tech outsider industry with technology solutions, others building it off existing frameworks. And I think it's great. I I mean, I'm excited about the energy. We talk about this new new decade and what's ahead and achieving that goal, that nirvana of a smart building, self-tuning, self-commissioning building. Well, this is a journey of elevated analytics um, to achieve that. And you know, we're out looking at a number of solutions to figure out a framework for Boston properties and what that means. You know, you can spend several days a
0: week finding these solutions. I have a vendor landscape and there's at least 50 in that category, 50 mm-hmm. vendors. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all. Oh, well, so yeah, we'll talk about it offline and I'll send you yeah. one of the essays I wrote um, called How Analytics Can Go Mainstream. Um, and it probably brings up a lot of the points that you're, you're running up against on these pilots. We'll link to that in the show notes as well. For
1: yeah. People. Great. I just love the energy. love the dynamic. I mean, this is all good, James, right? This is oh, all good. Yes. So it's, uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. Awesome. All right. So, so that sounds like another working group happening. And then, so you have this IAQ working group happening right now as well. So, I'm just curious on like, what's the state of the art thinking since you're, you're chairing the working group as well. So like, what's, it's really confusing out there from an IAQ standpoint. I mean, one of my clients has a building in Manhattan and just for reference, they have all of their CO2 set points overridden. They're not doing any demand controlled ventilation right now. Everything's on full outside air mode. And I, I, can't seem to convince them that they need to stop that, but because they're just in wait and see mode, it's kind of just like, well, well, no one knows what to do. So what do we do? You know. So yeah. what? Where are you guys yeah. at? I guess. Yeah.
1: So I think you know, I think what we're trying to navigate is, um, you know, as part. Um, so this is kind of bridging out of our health security task force. Ben Myers again, you know, VP of sustainability. Um, drove that. And we stood up, uh, he and I stood up this group. So he's, he's really, you know, we're leading this together in November that brought, again, engineering talent and, you know, business talent, IT talent to, and, uh, at the table. And we've gone on this journey. Um, and it's really been, I mean, I'll, I'll just kind of comment that it's been it's been enlightening across, I mean, for, for engineers to business, to sustainability, to me, um, to kind of, go on this kind of awareness journey. I armed everyone with aware sensors, the okay. element sensors, you know, Aaron, you know, you had Aaron on, Aaron turned me on to that, you know. Um, and uh, I just literally bought one for every single one and they could take it home. They could take it to the office. They And it was literally like to have a simple device that would elevate awareness, on yeah. just what, what we're trying to measure, but it's just, has been really fascinating. So I've got to know Ronald Ron Rowe at AWARE, and, and, and then we, we've piloted Wellstat, we've got pilots with Sense, Senseware, you know, so we've got, we're, we're kind of building reference points for how this gets executed. And again, I think the thing for us is like, how do you move from a UL test that's once or twice a year, in our case, twice a year, to an active monitoring and that's the journey that we have to figure out and Hmm. then you have core and shell and then you've got tenant space so again in a customer space so again navigating those dynamics is really the journey ahead for us james so
0: yeah and we we talked about a little bit earlier but i've always struggled with the like the different hvac systems like we have central air conditioning that's usually where the ventilation comes from coming from the landlord, tenant has something else going on. They're controlling their own terminal units, that kind of thing.
1: And the distribution design
0: and yeah. 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 They have their own space sensors, right. That are not necessarily getting back to the landlord. And so there's this, we need to bridge that gap in some way. Um, And
1: and, and that process was already underway. That whole, you know, as a trend prior to COVID, it's just been accelerated. And Mm -hmm. again, we think that is here to stay and just kind of figuring that out. Um, What do you see the model
0: as like the, the kind of replicable model that can bridge that gap?
1: Um, Well, I, I don't know if I have an answer yet, James.
0: Okay. We're going to figure that that out.
1: I mean, clearly we have to be responsive to our customers. And, um, but you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a process, you know, we're going to figure this out. And again, we got some really smart people thinking about it and, um, and trying to think about it, how it how it works in the context of our our platform um, for the benefit of customers. So yeah, totally.
0: yeah, and it, it's so it's such a multi factor problem too. Like like that one client, the air handler is in their in the tenant space in that building, and mm-hmm. so and that air handler could be in the landlord space in another building. So it's just like this. Yeah, yeah. Very And, and it, it, as you
1: know, I mean it's a combination of the ventilation and the filtration, right? So yeah. both those come into play and in, in achieving a you know achieving a result. Um, and and again, we've also played with HEPA units as supplemental, mm-hmm. and whether that's long-term or not. But that, I mean, there's there's ways of approaching, like I'm in a conference room, you know, I never considered the dynamic of this conference room in my space. How can I actually I, I can do things that are you know, maybe not tied to the bit base building, I can actually supplement and achieve yeah. a result. Right. So.
0: Yeah. And, and Aaron just kind of did a little mastermind presentation a couple of weeks ago for our, our pro members around like state of the art as well. And yeah, you know, he, he kind of reinforced the fact that it's not just about air handlers. In fact, in some systems, it's not about air handlers at all. It's about what's happening locally. Yes. Yeah. So how, as you guys are kind of like, you have energy spun up, you have these goals set, and then you're spinning up this IAQ group. How are you thinking about how those two kind of interact? And for people oh, to oh, well, actually,
1: actually there are members across both groups. <laughs> yeah, there's there's definitely some of our engineering leads and and, and others that are uh, crossing both teams and that, that they're along that's just the next logical question. Cause again, the challenge is are we just are you building another silo of just this IAQ data or, or are you going to rationalize it? Mm -hmm. Uh, in in combination and what is that is there a journey here that we need to we need to really be thoughtful about and that's that's the context here james you know so got it
0: got it cool this this is good to hear like how far you guys it's like kind of like refreshing for me to hear because i think what i get in the course that i teach a lot is like people are kind of relieved to understand that there's no like magic bullet or like super app or like organization out there that has all this figured out right because we're all trying to figure this out kind of as we go and it's sort of refreshing to hear that from you guys too because it's like you know you have a lot of smart people that are on this <laughs> and uh-huh. it's like there's a there's a lot of things to figure out still which is awesome i guess very exciting to time to be in this space so with that i think what if we why don't we just like summarize on how given how difficult it is, and maybe difficult is not the right word, but like, what do you think it takes to be successful to create these strategies in this space?
1: Really, in the last 10 years, as we've kind of um, done more in some really significant investments we've done, I find it really important to gain executive sponsorship Hmm. on any initiative. And that's from Owen and Doug, in our case, our, our CEO and president to. Um, to have a buy-in on, and and then to create a framework, because again, I I, I went back to framework. So you have to kind of do your due diligence and kind of get grounded in a prism of how you would, how you're going to look at it. Mm -hmm. um, And then to execute on it uh, around some clearly defined goals. Again, nothing insightful here, but there's some fundamentals. And then I think the other thing that I've just really valued is just the cross- disciplined teams that we spin up here that bring expertise and different insights into a process um, that builds depth and build a better result um, as a kind of foundational. So again, how you conduct and do innovation, there's just some tenets there. You know, the other thing I just recognized this year, James, I started doing a technology briefing series hmm. for a construction and development discipline. I've ran three of them already uh, oh, wow. this year. And it's just all on different topics. One of them was on, on IEQ uh, with Ben and some other our engineers. But it's really how do you get the level of awareness across the fabric of our company to understand and provide in context for how, how you think about the you know access control, where you think about the network, think about cyber, think about um, DAS, you know, distributed antenna system, think about telecom provisioning, think about, I mean, these are all things that our, our teams deal with. And how do we facilitate those in our development and construction trades as an example, so yeah.
0: Totally, yeah, that cross-functional like group forming seems really novel and, and important. Um, I think the other thing that's important that's novel from what I'm hearing from you versus hearing from others is like these three different groups you talked about funneling up to you and you able to make decisions and facilitate across the groups, right? And sort of knock down silos. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, and again, not everything's perfect. You want innovation occurring wherever it occurs in the company and in the context of the company, but you try to provide um, context. We try to be thoughtful in our decisions and what we do. So again, we have a role there. It's not, not always perfect, but it's, uh, you know, it's, we, we try to do it better than others. So let's put it that way. So Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So. As we kind of wrap up here, what are you excited about besides what we've already talked about? Or maybe that's what it is. But what are you excited about for the rest of the year?
1: I'm just so excited about being post-COVID. I just, I know that yeah. there's a couple of others and I, I, I'm i excited about visiting and engaging with our teams downstream. I told you I'm going on my first bit trip um, doing an you know, East Coast swing and then a West Coast swing. And that hasn't happened in 14, 15 months. And that's kind of, you know, just it's such an important, ask, you know, I just, in terms of, engagement and understanding what's going on in the fabric of our company and then um, and then I'm just uh, I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm, I'm just generally excited about the I, I had a mini kind of IT summit for my team yesterday hmm. and we literally went through all the investments we're making and did these mini briefings across the team so um, we just got some really exciting things going on and I'm excited about what we did last year I'm excited about this year and just you know, having impact for the company so
0: yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it was great to hear about all the different parts of the the smart buildings program at Boston Properties. So thanks for walking us. And through. it could it could be digital buildings, right? <laughs> okay. Yes. 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 Well, thanks for coming on and and yeah. telling us about it. Yeah. Thank thank you, James. I really appreciate the conversation today. So it was great. All right, friends. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nexus podcast. For more episodes like this and to get the weekly Nexus newsletter, which by the way, readers have said is the best way to stay up to date on the future of the smart buildings industry. Please subscribe at nexuslabs.online. You can find the show notes for this conversation there as well. Have a great day.